It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know in the day in business and markets. I'm Kyle Rodder with uh, Danny Akuye. I hope you changed that intro. I always uh, start with the words. So <laughs> I'm Nadine Blaney. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> That's what's on the teleprompter. It is. Uh, giving away all our secrets. Let's look at the market and uh, brace yourself. It's not so pretty. Down 1.8% for the CBO 200. Uh, Danny, the ASX 200 down, well, by a fairly similar margin. Yeah, I've got about currently about 1 spot 6.2, but it doesn't update for about 20 minutes. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it was uh, particularly the, well, information technology, we might get to some of the sectors and REITs were very heavily hit today. And uh, just a casual observation that Australian yields were moving up and the Aussie dollar is, uh, well, it's trading off around half a percent. It's vacillating between 0.45 and half a percent down in the afternoon trade. Indeed. So uh, they would safely call that risk off, I think, when you see those sorts of uh, uh, things occurring, perhaps at least when yep. it comes to the Aussie dollar and equities, maybe the, the bond story a bit different. But um, let's get to the three themes for the day. And uh, well, I called it running out of puff, uh, effectively, <laughs> um, because I mean, this is the thing, we try and find explanations for these yeah. moves sometimes. But I mean, we were struggling to find reasons for the rally sometimes. So Correct. maybe this is just the inverse of that, um, yep. just a bit of a, a, a natural pullback in the market. Totally. And sometimes we never know why markets go up or down. But clearly, there was some big selling that came into the Mm. market late yesterday, just at the close, which pushed the market down. And it looks like it's accelerated into the afternoon. Um, You know, my hunch, it might be some offshore selling. Yeah, well, there there is some moves going on um, in US futures as well, and I, I saw a bit it, weaker. Yeah, yeah, I was keeping an eye on some of the brokers that we like to, you know, we have some of their platforms, some of their out of hours pricing for Chinese markets, which China was actually on a public holiday Correct. today, um, but their pricing for some of Chinese indices were down too. So there's just a lot of selling in general going on. Yep. Um, more hikes to come. I think that's worth saying, and I mean yep. that probably ties into with uh, the BOE tonight. Yeah, uh, was more or less reaffirmed by uh, Jay Powell, and then well, you know, there's a, a sort of a non-trivial risk that the Bank of England goes 50 tonight as well. Yes, indeed. That inflation is very sticky over there. Sticky, sticky, mm. sticky indeed. Although I think the pound was weaker overnight, which I thought was a bit odd. It, it kind of ended flat yeah. after oh, okay. after sort of uh, moving um, in, in both directions. The, the, the timing seems to be interesting because I was looking at the rates curve um, in, uh, in terms of uh, the UK at the swaps markets actually, and they're still implying it's going to be in somewhere between 75. They were already implying, I should say, 75 to 100 basis points of hikes from the Bank of England going forward. Right. So I guess it's kind of an if and when sort of exactly. Discussion. So they just bring them there. forward, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So okay. anyway, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that tonight because I think a 50 would be a surprise. And um, well, those are the three themes. I think you know maybe the fourth theme should be pretty in pink because we're both doing that today. Oh. Obviously on the podcast you can't hear that, but we, we both look glorious in our in our matching pink outfits. But um, let's get to some of those sectors. You mentioned tech before. Yes. and Following well, on from Wall Street, there's some really mm. chunky sales or sales overnight. 
Uh, Tesla off, I think, five or six percent, and some of them really got whacked around. So why wouldn't people come in and take some profits? Why is Tech Global was at a 52-week high only two days ago? Zero has really done well as well. So both of those, as well as Altium, all off over four percent, which is really not too surprising when you've had such big, big runs. Indeed, and uh, of course, a uh, volatile sector of our market, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, let's get to the real estate names uh, again. I mean, we could be sort of clutching at straws, perhaps. If we were to try and find specific reasons for this, but you know the rate story might hold up here. Uh, but it was uh, along with it, well, second to the tech sector, uh, the worst performing area of the market, at least when I last checked uh, at about. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look, and it uh, does look that way. So utilities and uh, consumer dis- consumer staples. Oh no, that even tumbled later on. Actually, healthcare looks like uh, utilities and healthcare were the best performing Indeed. today, which is not saying very much. Oh, actually, no energy as well. They just didn't go down as much. Yeah, and uh, I, I had telcos in here too because it was also an area of the market that was uh, down by in excess of 2% while I was having a look at it just before I came in. So I thought I'd whack that in there. And um, well, not too uh, profound moves, I guess you could say, but broad-based losses, telcos off. So um, worth just noting there as well. Uh, we did have some corporate news out today. Um, John's Ling Group yes. uh, upgraded its FY23 forecast. Yep. Um, on the surface, good news, but uh, the stock was waxed down about 10%. 10? It was down 10% in the end, I, I do believe. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, if I'm When I looked, it was 2%. My golly goshkins. You're right, 11%. Percent now, yeah. Wow. Well, clearly, my as my well from my fundamental analyst days, I would just say that clearly the market and the analysts were expecting a much larger upgrade to come through. So mm. uh, the the earnings forecast must have been a lot lot higher, and obviously we'll see some of the brokers coming out tomorrow. But you know they've couched it as like woohoo, this is an upgrade, and the market's mm-hmm. gone uh uh no, we don't think so. that is not as good as what we expected. So Indeed. that is a really chunky fall, twelve yeah, percent. Ouch. Yeah, it was the it was the biggest loser for the day yeah. in the end, and yeah, you can see it was sort of one way uh, travel there on what was you know a difficult day for equities anyway, so um, a double whammy. Just worth remembering that we are going into confession. We are mm. in confession season. So, you know, be prepared for a few, um, well, a, we're going to talk about Gold Road, but maybe a rocky road um, <laughs> in terms of companies. They have to come clean in terms of whether their forecasts are really all earnings are outside of consensus. So I, I think we're going to see more of these bombs going off. Indeed. And uh, you, you did um, foreshadow Gold Road resources. It was also off to date, lowered its yes. production guidance at its uh, Gruyere project. So uh, as you can see there, it's well sold off and it was really just um, didn't really move for much of the rest of the day really but nevertheless um, just uh, some negative news I think the gold miners actually broadly speaking were fairly well mixed at best as well despite yeah they were off gold price was off a little bit overnight indeed okay so um, there you go gold road resources also down uh, on that and um, in fact it was actually our stock of the day gold road resources so uh, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and Ben Clark from TMS Capital gave their view on gold road Gold is a safe, uh, a store of safety or a store of value 
you can also now have potentially money in a bank account earning a very, like in Australia, you can get a 5% term deposit rate now. Yeah. So there's a cost to holding gold, yeah. you know, which there wasn't a year ago. Yeah. Uh, so like with crypto or some of the other things we've seen. So yeah. that would be the other reason I'd be bearish on gold. Okay. Investors are just so responsive to any downgrading guidance of any yeah. kind. So mm-hmm. this week, Best and Less tanked, but they had a big downgrading guidance. Whereas yeah. then you have this kind of thing, they're saying, oh, it's downgrade. And then they're just selling out, but it's right. not actually as bad as it looks. Um, they actually, the thing we like about Gold Road is that naturally you have the significant rain event like that's nothing wrong with the mine itself that's mm. nothing wrong with operations there's nothing wrong with the board it's yeah. simply mother nature which affects ag chem stocks and other things like that as well but you've what we would love about this company is that they have their fingers in a lot of gold pies it's not just this Gorier project they have a 19.99 percent stake in degray mining which has the molina gold project so that's right. another one and then they also have exploration in the Yamana um, gold region in WA. So they've got a lot on their plate. They're not just focused on this. So they have money money coming in from quite a few different areas and uh, the Molina Gold Project as well. So at the same time, it's it's bad today, right. but it's it, the outlook is long-term. Well, there you go. I suppose not a great time for gold, maybe. Or well, gold miners. Gold prices have been moving higher, but um, the gold stocks haven't necessarily... They've had cost, cost well. problems, yeah, weather events. Diesel prices coming down as well, which tends to be you know uh, a, a big uh, factor when it comes to their cost base. Yeah. It still hasn't really done much. Yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know why. Gold price has been coming down a bit, so I think mm. that's probably capping the performance of them at the moment. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, let's get to our guest for the next 10 minutes or so. And well, maybe we'll start with his view on gold. Road, if not just gold stock. Scott Phillips from Motley Fool. Now, Scott, uh, I have heard you talk about gold before, so I, I dare say I could probably preempt uh, what you're going to say. But um, Gold Road, Gold Stocks, what are your thoughts? Mate, you can uh, put your hand up my back and uh, make mouth move and tell you exactly what you think I'm going to tell you, which is that I'm not a fan. Um, look, you know, I'm, I'm a fundamental based investor and I look for predictable or at least understandable future earnings and earnings power. And, and you know my view, generally speaking, commodities, which is you have exactly none of that. You are absolutely hostage to the commodity price itself. And I don't know that as a long-term investor, I have an edge in trying to guess where the price of the commodity itself might be next. I do think there is a way to play some of these cyclicals, which is basically, as you well know, I'm going to say, Kyle, uh, to grab them where they're uh, closer, the, the commodity price is closer to the marginal cost of production. On a probabilistic basis, that means the downside is relatively limited, not zero, limited the upside much larger by by comparison so you want to play when the odds are in your favor that's generally speaking when the odds are in your favor particularly with a free floating commodity like gold oil is always a very different thing for what it's worth because of the opec involvement but that's my general view on gold if you are going to do it you absolutely do want well here's the thing as, as, a, as someone looks at businesses, you want the best operators in the field, generally speaking. It's also true, though, that the more uh, risky, you think about oil searching oil, for example, that had a mountain of debt, they are so incredibly leveraged on, in both directions of the oil price, the upside potential is always bigger with a highly leveraged, higher cost producer because they're probably making nothing or very little at very low prices as the price goes up the size of that upside just magnifies dramatically. It's like leverage in any other part of the business. Uh, Companies using internal leverage give you the same sort of thing. But generally speaking, mate, I'd be looking for the best quality producers. I'd be looking for the lowest cost producers. I'd be looking to buy them when the commodity price, in this case, the gold price was closer to the marginal cost of production. 
So, Scott, I think uh, some of us were a bit surprised the market kept on running up to whatever it was, a seven-week high. Uh, should we be at all surprised that we're seeing some profit-taking and selling coming in at this stage as we run into, well, the ongoing confession season and, of course, the August reporting? Such a strange one, Danny, because we saw seven straight days of gains. At one point, the market had gained 3% over the five trading days before yesterday's falls, and then today's falls compounding that. So 3% over five days, we've lost about 2.1, 2.2 mm. uh, over the over two days. So getting almost all of that back. It's fascinating, isn't it? Sentiment is really finicky right now, very, very fickle. I think because of confession season, as you talked about, then earnings season, because, by the way, on top of that, of just the straight up uh, economic circumstances, no one really knows what to expect economically, either locally or globally. And that's really keeping markets on edge. It really seems like there's one of those, you know, lemmings running from one side of the ship to the other. Um, every time there's a bit of good news, we had seven straight days of a market feeling great. And now two days of, of everyone all of a sudden thinking, hang on, what did we do? What, what were we thinking? Uh, that change of sentiment so significantly and so suddenly, I think is probably the, the bigger part of this story, which is right now there's not a lot of conviction in those people who are trading and making the market on a daily basis. Plenty of fundamental investors are either buying and holding regardless or selling, selling and staying away regardless. Uh, but those who are trying to guess where the market might go next, the ones really whipsawing things around. You mentioned John's Ling earlier. I'm a big fan of this business. The numbers were spectacularly good. Um, yeah, profit up 47% year on year, guidance up more than 10%. I mean, if you're if you're speculating on an upgrade of more than 50% growth year on year and you got surprised by that, I'm not sure what to tell you, quite honestly. I mean, you're welcome to do it, but you can't mm. be surprised when the market hands you that sort of result. That being said, this is a business just getting it done right long term. I think it's probably one of the better businesses on the ASX based on the last four or five years of history. Now, it's, it's small, it's growing. At some point, it's going to mature. Maybe um, a run of, of natural disasters has, has put some wind in its sails. But I don't know what else you can expect this company to do. If the market's overpaying for it, then maybe some sort of pullback is justified. But if you look at the company saying, is it doing everything right? I think the answer is absolutely yes. Has echoes of CSL a couple of weeks ago when they had exactly the same thing. Mm. Earnings at the top of guidance and constant currency, but on a constant currency basis, earnings, uh, you know, forecast of 13 to 18% growth and the shares fell 7%. Again, you say, what more did you guys want? Now, again, more is obviously the answer, as you rightly said at the open of the show. Uh, but I just raise those two to highlight that sentiment is really, really, really fickle right now. Indeed. And uh, John's Link Group, I just forgot that. Uh I lived about, I grew up about a street away from, from the head office. So, Oh, well, uh, there you go. That's, that's probably why it's such a great business out there. The obscure, <laughs> obscure. effect, I like it. Uh, yeah, or well, vice versa. Maybe I've, I've been blessed with the John's Ling <laughs> effect, uh, maybe. But a good Doncaster uh, business out there in Victoria, out in the Burbs. But um, just wanted to, to ask too, of course, um, I mean... Rex came out with a bit of a warning um, in the last couple of days. Uh, there's that persistent concern uh, uh, being articulated by retailers. Your view on just sort of, I guess, what is effectively the consumer outlook and, and stocks sensitive to it? Are, are you feeling a little bit nervous of the lack of, a, 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 for the lack of a better word, perhaps nervous? Yeah. You know what's fascinating, mate, about those two examples you give is that you've kind of got both things, both parts of the economy operating at the same time here. You had massive amounts of retail downgrades. You mentioned Best and Less, which were the DJ's numbers that were leaked a couple of weeks ago. Baby Bunting, Adairs, they own shares in that company there down as well. Um, there's been there's been a real, you know, it's no surprise to me. We've seen retail spending effectively tip over in discretionary space. I think that's clear to everybody. National savings rates now down under 4% of income. At those levels, the RBA is finally having an impact after desperately trying to soak up excess demand for 12 months. 
I think we're now at exactly that point. The combination of inflation and rates has got us there. So, yeah, you should expect discretionary retail to have a tougher, frankly, next six months. When we see the earnings in August, it will be for the year ending 30 June. So we're kind of, you know, we're only just getting into that territory. Maybe one or two or three months of those numbers will include that sales decline. There's worse to come in terms of sequential declines. The next six months is going to be worse almost certainly than the last six and so investors should be already factoring that in. Whether they are or not, we'll find out whether the pessimism overtakes things, to your point about nervousness, mm. is a good one. I I, I don't, you probably get to know my view on retail too, Kyle. If you look out five years and you say, hang on, JB Hi-Fi is trading on what's probably a single digit PE right now. And you ask yourself, won't JB be a bigger and better business in five years than it is today? Is it likely to be more profitable? If you could look back at 2028 and say, you mean I got to buy at a single digit PE in 2023, was I, was I, you know, what was I doing? Why was I not thinking that was a good idea? Because I was too worried about the next six months or nine months or 12 months. I think we'll look back and, and wonder why we didn't do more of that, quite honestly. Rex is the other side of the coin, though. It's not a consumer story. This is a story of not being able to get enough pilots to put the planes in the air. Mm. They got 58 planes from memory. A third of those are on the tarmac because they can't get the staff. And so I talk about two sides of the economy. On one hand, you've got you know, retail spending, total spending, but particularly discretionary spending, down lots and probably going lower. On the other hand, you've got employment that's absolutely roaring. Um, full, you know, not quite full employment, but close enough to it technically. 3.6% um, unemployment, more Australians employed than ever. So you've got this really strange scenario going on. Businesses are optimistic, consumers are deeply pessimistic. Now that can't stay the case forever. Uh, at one point, either businesses' own confidence comes down because people stop spending, or business stays confident, keeps hiring, and consumer confidence picks up because things aren't as bad as we worried they might have been. That's where we're sitting, I think, in the economy at the moment. Scott, really appreciate you uh, coming in and giving us a bit of a wrap on the day, as well as touching on some of those uh, really important issues right now. We'll uh, let you get back to the rest of the afternoon. Scott Phillips <laughs> from Motley Fool, thanks for your time. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, and uh, yeah, we just got a screenshot there before, uh, just from folks out in the new, uh, news studio, um, just about the, the John Ling story. Um, apparently, lower forecasts consistent with headwinds in the sector. Uh, so maybe just um, a, a bit of a drop in uh, what was expected, maybe slightly to your point before, Danny. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, like I said, um, mm. you know, earlier. I'm not, I'm not sure whether the, that, that, that was. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> we'll continue to speculate. Let's get to the leaders and the guards. And there we are. There are the leaders, and they're few and far between, and the gains have been reasonably slim. Um, but Tilix actually they, hit a record high. Yeah, they uh, had an acquisition uh, that they announced overnight mm. in the UK, which is clearly a big the urology event, of course. Urology? Yeah, yeah cancer. Yeah. Well, no, it was, it was some event that they had about urology last oh. night as well. Oh, okay, a double yeah. double whammy. It was in New York. Oh. Well, I think this announcement came at that. that oh, that okay. Busy on. Both sides of the Atlantic. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, they've got uh, their, their, their sort of US business over there, if you will. Um, but uh, Collins Foods up again, 1.72%. Brambles as well up 1.2%. We have had some US housing data out over the last few days. So, And I think you were saying that's a bit, been resilient, right? Yeah, the, the housing starts have started up again, literally yeah. there. It's interesting because um, there's not a lot of activity, people selling existing houses, mm-hmm. but in terms of the housing stocks over in the US, so the home builders, they're all at record highs and it's really confounded a lot of people. But like Australia, they have a massive, massive shortage of housing. So 
I don't know, maybe housing starts are coming back up again because people are saying, well, mortgage rates are currently peaking out. Yeah, maybe they're uh, yeah, playing the so peak they're in the cycle. So new home buyers as opposed to people with existing homes with a 30-year mortgage or 25 or whatever, they don't want to refinance and no. move because it's way too expensive. they will do it again for the next 30 years. Well, not until you rates... the disincentive? Yes, quite. They're well, like 1% rates or 2% rates. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for coming. Yeah, see you later. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get to the laggards. We did speak about Johns Ling and we spent plenty of time... Still debating uh, Speculating about that, about that. We, Again, it'll be a... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that for the end of till the end of time. Gold Road uh, was also a slightly Megaport simpler also story. and Polynovo back yeah. on the on the sale list there, as well as Clean Away. Something actually, I think the brokers Clean had a strategy day yesterday or the right. day before, and there was reaction to it then. And I would imagine there might be some some broken news coming out saying that no, we didn't like what we heard there. Yeah, I'm just trying to have a quick look. There. Yeah, but it, it is down by six point two percent. And uh, Megaport, well, it just tends to be one of those uh, extra volatile uh, tech. Names we did see tech take a bit of a bath today, so that's, we did that's indeed. My best, best assumption for, for, for Megaport there. Uh, now we'll really test our knowledge because we're going to get to the small cap movers, starting with the leaders. Oh, um, Rumble Res is back up there. Rumble Res, oh, the good old Rumble Res. Oh, it's um, yeah, up 11, percent not quite 3,400 and whatever it was the, the, the day that uh, it went a bit rogue, but um, Fleetwood as well up 10 and a half percent. Um, some fairly familiar names on there, actually, just the, the really volatile ones meteoric that we often track. Meteoric resources going for a meteoric 7% rise. Ah, uh, you've been in the media for three months and you've already got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, the small caps. Um, there we go. Nothing that jumps out to me uh, necessarily. So we'll, we'll push on there. Um, but let's talk about what's going on tonight and what's going to come up in the next few hours, in fact, because the Bank of England, we, we talked about it off the top, will probably uh, be fairly crucial. Um, again, if they go 50, that really could um, rock, rock global financial markets. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. As you said, their discount, they, the markets were looking for a lot higher, so maybe it's a pull through. Yeah. Yeah, US jobless claims, that will be interesting. Yeah, because that's higher. been trending Yeah, that has been trending higher. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole debate is that uninflation, oh, uninflation, my God, unemployment is such mm-hmm. a, a lagging indicator. Um, so the jobless ca- claims are more important. And more pal testimony. Indeed. If uh, he didn't drill in his message last night, he's got another <laughs> chance tonight to try and convince the markets. I'm sure he would love it as well, being uh, able to sit in front of Congress people there for, for a second day in the row. It's exactly why he'd get into that job. But um, yeah, most of the probably most pointed messages have already come out. Um, but uh, we might see, I don't know, maybe another slip of the tongue or something of that nature that could uh, excite us tomorrow morning, give us something to write about at least. Um, let's go to what's ahead tomorrow. And actually for me, what's going to be most interesting, maybe Ooh, because- flash PMIs. Flash PMIs, but also Japanese CPI. Yeah. I, I, I'm finding that rather interesting because I did have, this is, I think last week, maybe the start yeah. of the week, time flies. I have the, uh, the good privilege of uh, talking to uh, the former Deputy Governor yes. of Bank of, the, the Bank of Japan, Masasumi Wakatabe. And uh, well, he was talking about a kind of a when, not if story when it comes to uh, modifying yield curve control. But um, that might be further down the line. It would mm-hmm. be influential for markets. We do have the That would be huge. That would be massive. Absolutely yeah, massive. Indeed. And uh, well, he said he doesn't expect it anytime soon. But um, well, CPI is above 3%, has been above 3% for quite some time in Japan. Uh, so we'll see whether it moderates a little bit, which is expected, or, you know, like the UK last night, comes in higher surprisingly once again and gets us all in a tiz about sticky inflation. Indeed. Right. That's the uh, the word, sticky inflation phrase perhaps. But um, 
Well, I think that does it for another day. We're you know, turning into gobbledygook now, or at least I am now. I'm having trouble getting my words out, so we may as well uh, Time wrap for a it cup up. of tea. Yes, Put, Draw a line myself. under this market. We don't like markets when they go down. Never as, much, never as fun as when markets go up. No, no, indeed. And I'm always on the wrong side of it anyway, so who cares? But um, <laughs> let's just get a final look on where things close, just for the ASX. And uh, it did 1.6? finish at 1.63%. Just shy of 7,200. Came in at the last moment. Yes. It was down about 1.8% when yeah, I looked earlier. Yeah, a smidgen. Um, but yeah, 71.96. That's where it'll be put into the books. And we'll head into Friday looking as though, actually, you know, we're um, only back to where we were this time last week. Exactly. So, oh, swings and roundabouts, right? Absolutely. Okay, well, we carry on. Uh, what is it? Boats born ceaselessly to pass, something like that. Um, anyway. Make sure you catch up on all the wonderful news and interviews that we did throughout the day on the website and app. And uh, we'll tune in tomorrow morning. We'll see you then. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.